Hey there, my name is Ryan Hughley, and I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our goal is to help as many people as possible meet and mature in the Jesus of the Bible. For more information about our ministry, visit our website at ridgeline.church. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing on the platform of your choice. Thanks again for listening, and I pray God's Spirit uses this message to revive you in a fresh way. Before we look ahead to 2021, I actually want to start this morning by looking back for just a second. And I want you to think about this question. If you had to describe 2020 in one word, what would it be? Just think about that question for a second. If you had to describe 2020 in just one word, what would it be? I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of a tough question, right? Because there are so many fitting words to choose from. And you got to think uh, the word chaos, for instance, would certainly be a worthy front runner. I mean, there were literally brawls last year over bottled water and toilet paper in the aisles of grocery stores. And, and I know even hearing that, that sounds like a scene from a Saturday Night Live sketch or some post-apocalyptic movie, except it actually happened. In addition, it was a politically, socially, and economically chaotic year. And so chaos is clearly a strong choice of words to describe 2020. But I think maybe a second fitting word would be the word heartbreak. I mean, it would seem that we have become far more aware of the almost universal heartbreak and pain experienced by people of color in our culture due to centuries of systemic racism. Additionally, we are slowly climbing toward 400,000 deaths due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And do you know that, that many of the funerals for those people had to be observed on streaming sites like Zoom? I mean, just think about how heartbreaking that is. Think about how subhuman that is. And on a far smaller scale, there have been countless micro heartbreaks due to trips being rescheduled, weddings being moved to backyards with just a few friends instead of all of our friends and family and loved ones, the way that we'd like to celebrate weddings. There have been drive-through graduations, which just sounds so depressing to me. Family gatherings had to be canceled during the holidays. It was just a year of immense heartbreak for so many people. <clears throat> But you know, if I had to hang just one word over 2020, it wouldn't be chaos and it wouldn't be heartbreak, even though I think those are really fitting words. I think my word would be the word disruption. Almost everything we know in life was disrupted in ways that we never could have imagined. I mean, we're talking family was disrupted. School was disrupted. Relationships were disrupted. Entire worldviews were disrupted. Church, obviously, was disrupted. Everything was disrupted. We have experienced a disruption to our souls in ways that we don't even fully understand yet. But what we do know is that it feels like 2020 took our legs out from under us. We didn't expect it. We did not see it coming, and most of us were not prepared for it. 
And so as a result of that, very few of us start 2021 with the same fervor that is common at the start of a new year. Instead, it kind of feels like we're all lying on our backs, looking up at the ceiling after losing a fight to a superior opponent. But you know, the good news is just because you get knocked down doesn't mean you can't get back up. Nothing is over. It's time to shake the dust. It's time to fight back. It's time to move from one of the most trying years into what I believe is going to be one of the most transformational. It's time to rise. But you know, the big question is how? How, how do we actually rise from the ashes of 2020? You know, I, I've probably tested or talked to close to 20 people from our church in just the last week. And if there was one thing I heard more often than not, it was that people are tired. And I got to tell you, I get it. I am tired too. And so the question is, how do we rise from the ashes of 2020 while simultaneously feeling such a deep sense of soul fatigue? Well, I want to submit to you this morning that this requires a sizable but simple shift in trust. Just a few weeks ago, I was reading through Psalm 20. And if you're not familiar with Psalm 20, it is what is known as a royal psalm. And so it is a prayer on behalf of the king prior to leading his people into battle. See, foundational understanding of virtually everything in life was the belief that Yahweh was in control of the outcome of all things, including battle. And so a strong and well-trained army were important and a shrewd military strategy was certainly essential. But Israel had seen over and over again, and we get to see as we read through the Old Testament over and over and over again, that victory belonged to God alone. And so before anyone put even one foot on the field of battle, they would gather together for prayer. And Psalm 20 is one of those prayers. And so even though this psalm has a royal context, and it is not ultimately written to us and isn't even really written about us, that doesn't mean that it holds nothing for us. And so we're not going to read the entirety of Psalm 20 this morning. I'll uh, ask you to do that maybe later on today. But there are two verses that I believe can both stabilize our hearts at the start of this new year and also set our vision for it. And so I want you to listen this morning to Psalm 20, specifically verses through eight as I read them. So listen to these. Beginning in verse seven, some take pride in chariots and others in horses, but we take pride in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand firm. Now, here's what we have in these two verses. We have a choice of trust and we have a resulting outcome. So let's start with a choice of trust. Listen again to verse seven. <clears throat> It says, some take pride in chariots and others in horses, but we take pride in the name of the Lord our God. Now, this notion of taking pride in either military strength or the name of God is a consequence of trust. I mean, think about this with me for a second this morning. You boast in what you believe in. Think about that. You boast in what you believe in. If you've ever been subjected to seeing a pre-fight press conference, so think like MMA or a boxing match, then you've seen this play out 
in an obvious and absurd manner. Now, if you have not listened to one of these sideshows, here's what happens. Two fighters brag and boast about all the ways in which they are the superior fighter and how badly they believe they're going to beat their opponent as a result. And despite how silly some of that is, you see this principle play out in real time. We boast in what we believe in. It's an expression of trust. And so when a fighter says that they will win because they are bigger, stronger, faster, or more experienced, they are signaling that they have fixed their trust in their size, strength, speed, or experience. We boast in what we believe in. And this is a form of what we're seeing play out in Psalm 20. It's a choice of trust. Now, in context, it's a choice between military strength or divine faithfulness. But ultimately, you know, it's a choice between trusting human innovation or God's integrity. Chariots and horses were the very backbone of military strength in their culture. And so they were kind of like modern-day tanks. And whoever had the numbers clearly had the advantage in battle. But, you know, Israel was different. They didn't believe that security was established through these human innovations. Psalm 33, 16 to 19 even says this, A king is not saved by a large army. A warrior will not be rescued by great strength. The horse is a false hope for safety. It provides no escape by its great power. But look, the Lord keeps his eye on those who fear him those who depend on his faithful love to rescue them from death and to keep them alive in famine. Now, Israel rightly believed that victory, stability, and provision all came from God because of who he is. See, God's name is tied to his reputation, And a reputation is what someone is known for. Reputation is tied to character. And so God's name is how he always is and what he always has proved to do over and over and over again. Now, 2020 revealed a great number of things, but one of them was the many deficient places that we are prone to root our trust. Places like power and politics strength and security, control. And one way to really get to the source, if you're not sure, uh, get to the source of where your trust is, is to answer this very simple question. Where do I run when pressure mounts? Think about that for a second. Where do I run when pressure mounts? Maybe something that brings me comfort. Maybe something that distracts me maybe something that makes me feel secure. But wherever we run when pressure mounts reveals our particular choice of trust. And what we cannot miss in these two verses is that this choice produces a resulting outcome. Look with me at verse eight. It says, they collapse and fall, but we rise and stand firm. So just notice how much hangs in the balance of this choice. It is literally the difference between victory and defeat, flourishing and failing. Because what you and I were designed for truly does come from God's own hand, the choice to trust anything else is an exercise in futility. 
Choosing to trust the character and nature of God in all circumstances is, is, is how we not only rise from the ashes of an awful year, but also stand firm in the next. But again, here's the million-dollar question. How can we, as a church family, in 2021, how can we choose to shift our trust more and more onto God and off of the multitude of sources on which we're prone to place it? And the answer to that question is our vision for this new year. Together, we are going to work to grow deeper in God and go deeper together. That's our very simple vision for 2021. We want to grow deeper in God and we want to go deeper together. And so to this end, I'm praying that everyone who calls Ridgeline home would work with me to develop two things. Uh, number one is a daily practice of sitting with God. And number two is building at least one formational friendship this year, right? That's it. Those two things. We want to develop the daily practice of sitting with God and build at least one formational friendship in this new year. Now, let me just briefly break these down, and then we're going to spend the rest of the year learning how to live them out together. So first, we want to develop a daily practice of sitting with God. Now, please understand, I know that we probably hear that and you import all kinds of meaning into it, but I am not talking about some dry devotional habit or a quiet time that's often very little more than checking a box on a Bible reading plan and maybe praying through a list that we feel obligated to. No, I'm talking about prioritizing time every day to stop and to sit with the God of the universe. I'm talking about learning to honestly open your heart to him and experience the transforming reality of him opening his heart to you. And I am telling you, this changes everything. And so next week, we're going to kick off a new series called Face to Face. And it's all about how we can build this practice of sitting with God. Now, between now and then, between this Sunday and next, I want to ask you to take one simple step in this direction. It's a new year. I know a lot of us probably have resolutions and goals. We're probably experimenting with some new life hacks. Unfortunately, if uh, statistics are proof, most of those are going to fall off in the next couple weeks. But I, but I want to invite you into another little experiment this first week, a first step toward learning to take a daily time to sit with God. And so here's what I want you to do. Once a week, I'm sorry, once a day, not once a week, once a day, I want you to open a journal or maybe a notes app on your phone, whatever your preference is, but open that up and in just two or three sentences, that's it. That might sound like crazy small, but I want this to be an accessible first step to all of us. So no matter how busy you are, no matter how unfamiliar something like journaling might be to you, I'm talking two or three sentences a day, okay? Two or three sentences, I want you to honestly tell God, about anything that is causing you unrest. Now, when you hear the unrest, hear the word unrest, I want you to think, think like what's causing you anxiety? What's causing you to be stressed, to feel anger, maybe to feel sadness or depression? What's causing you to feel fearful? Anything that's causing you to feel unrest in just two or three sentences. Now, you can certainly write more than that, but the goal this week is just to take this very small first step toward opening our hearts to God in this simple way. 
And so success this week, right? Like some of us set these big, audacious goals that are honestly so sizable, we can't even accomplish them. I want us to be able to accomplish this every single day, okay? So success this week looks like writing just two to three sentences on what's causing you unrest. And then I want you to close that journal or close that app and just simply pray, Father, I entrust myself to you. And if you do that every day this week, then each day you can put your head on the pillow at night knowing you have successfully taken the first step every day of learning to sit with God. So this is our first simple step toward developing a daily practice of sitting with God so that we can grow deeper in Him. But that's not all. Secondly, we also want to build at least one formational friendship so that we can go deeper together. Now, I think we all know that the term friend has been so diluted in our culture that it means virtually nothing anymore. Like you, I have like 4,000 quote-unquote friends on Facebook, most of which I have never and will never meet in person. But you know, the Bible paints a far deeper picture of friendship. The Bible paints a picture of, of loyalty and commitment. It paints this picture of friendship that is marked by strength and support of one another, help and encouragement. It's a picture of people living together with intention and purpose that forms them more and more into the image of Christ. And these are the friendships that we want to build. And then let's be honest, it's going to require flexibility from us during a pandemic, but we are not going to use the pandemic as an excuse to put this off any longer. And so I'm I'm still nailing down all the options, but over the next couple of weeks, I am going to set up a wide range of dates and times for groups of just three or four people at a time to jump on Zoom with me and to begin laying a foundation for these formational friendships. Now, I know that many of us are weary of looking at screens, but I think it's worth the sacrifice if it helps us go deeper together. One of the things I continue to hear from people is them saying like, man, even if I watch the stream or, um, you know, maybe I'm talking to a couple people on the phone, but I just feel disconnected from church. And I'm, I'm telling you, this is how we can combat that feeling of disconnection. Some of it's inevitable. We are in the midst of a pandemic and we are all still more socially isolated than what we were created for and certainly more than we'd prefer. But we can fight to stay more connected to one another as we work to build these formational friendships. So for now, I just want you to begin to catch a glimpse of the transformational power of these two practices when they are combined. If we commit to developing the daily practice of sitting with God and building at least one formational friendship, I promise you, we will grow deeper in God and we will go deeper together. We will rise. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not exactly charging into 2021. I mean, don't get me wrong, it felt amazing to like flip the calendar and to put 2020 squarely behind me, but it's not like all the challenges of the past year disappeared when the ball dropped at midnight. I mean, the truth is, with the exception of the date, everything that was true December 31st remained the same on January 1. And so as a result of that, I think it's important to acknowledge what may be a deep but subconscious fear that is lurking in the shadows of our own souls. What if 
the residue of last year remains into the next. What if all the ways that we were impacted, maybe even wounded last year, have altered us forever? Essentially, I think that many of us might be afraid that we lack the strength to rise from the ashes of 2020. And if that's you, I want you to know that's me too. I feel that. And so if you do, here is the encouragement that I want to leave you with. God is not searching for the strong. God is searching for the surrendered. So can we just agree to kick the notion of like crushing 2021 out of our collective imagination? The truth is, man, most of us don't have the strength for that right now. And, And listen to me, that is not bad. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Jesus said his power is perfected in weakness. Now, if that's true, we are in the perfect position to experience more of God than we know possible in this new year. Ridgeline, I'm telling you, we are going to rise from the ashes of 2020, but not because of superficial, self-empowered resolutions, but because of deliberate and concrete choices to shift our trust onto an everywhere present, always accessible, ever welcoming God who loves us and gave his life to secure our own. And so let's fix our trust on Jesus. Let's grow deeper in him and let's go deeper together so that regardless of what happened last year, we can stand firm in the next. Will you bow your head and pray with me? Father, we thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. And so, Lord, I thank you that wherever we are right now in this very moment, that you are with us. And I thank you that there was not one second of 2020 when you were not with us. And there will not be one moment of 2021 when you are not with us. Lord, our our desire is to grow deeper in you this year. Our desire is to go deeper together. We want to experience more of you and we want to live in more raw and honest community and friendship with one another. And, And we confess, Lord, at the outset of this new year that we are weary, that we are tired on virtually every front. And so we'd come to you weak, in some cases feeling helpless and hopeless. We come to you honestly in this very moment and we confess all of that openly to you and we thank you that you have promised us, Lord, that your strength is perfected weakness. And so rather than pretend that we are strong, Lord, we, we own and we acknowledge and we will even boast, as Paul said, in our weakness because in our weakness, promised so you're strong and so lord i pray in the name of jesus over 2021 i pray that you would show yourself strong that this would be a year of transformation in us that this would be a year of healing and a year of hope a year where we learn to grow you and to go deeper together but only you can do that we know that you can and so we ask that you would We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, don't forget uh, the homework for this week. 
if you want to have homework, is uh, we're going to take a journal or a notes app every single day this week in just two or three sentences, and we are going to tell God what is causing us unrest, and then finish that time by entrusting ourselves through prayer to Him. And then until next week, right back here on YouTube, uh, we are going to start the face-to-face series, uh, beginning to take these first steps in learning to develop a daily practice of sitting with God. I love you. I'm excited about this new year, even though I'm tired. I want you to be excited and hopeful about this new year, even though you're tired. Ridgeline, we will rise because God is good and he's with us. I love you and I will see you back here next Sunday.